When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. The wedding may have been on Friday, but I think our team are just about as giddy as if we'd been recording in the immediate aftermath, fired up by bubbles. I'm not quite sure what it is. It might be because I'm going to be away for a couple of weeks and I've got that end of term feelings, but we've got some episodes saved up for you with some very exciting guests. So lots to look forward to there. But before we get to that, there will be a bumper episode today. I am sure I am your host, Anne Gripper. I am joined by Daily Mirror Royal Editor, Russell Myers. Hello, Russell. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm well, thank you. And Mirror Online Lifestyle Editor Zoe Forsey, welcome back. Hi. Hi, great to have you both with us. Loads to talk about today. We've got, it's George's birthday today. Prince Philip's been back out and about. Prince William's been talking about weird things he's been eating. But um, when we were talking last week, Russell, you were like, there will be royal news. There will be royal news. I mean, (laughs) it wasn't the wedding you were talking about, was it? I I don't know, probably just making up. I mean... What, what was it? was I giving you royal news that I couldn't? Yeah, no, I, I think it was William. Oh, I, yeah, it was probably William, and it was George's picks. But we all know probably about that. But nobody knew about the wedding. This came out completely out of the blue, and just a few details on it. I mean, uh, Beatrice had managed to plan it in just two weeks with her mum, Sarah Ferguson, which was a, an incredible achievement, if only just for the flowers uh, as they, they came out of the church, because they were incredible. They that were fantastic. Absolutely insane. Um, so, I mean, I don't know, how would you even begin to order that many flowers and the arrangement? So hats off to the florist, because all the pictures or the, the, the select few that we did see, I suppose we'll come on to that in a minute, but... There, I thought the one of them coming out of the church doors was really lovely. Beatrice looked, uh, you know, absolutely incredible, really, really smiley on her big day. Edo was, you know, grinning like a Cheshire cat. And um, and then obviously you had the the, the big picture with uh, the Queen and Duke of Edinburgh, which is uh, which made it this huge occasion, I think. Absolutely. And it was, oh, it was fabulous. I love that picture of them coming out of that church and that kind of feeling of emerging into their new married life together. It's always just, and it, it, for some reason, it kind of made me think of Alice in Wonderland, the way she was sort of peeking around the corner and, and coming out and um, yeah, just the look of happiness. And it was, I think, you know, we haven't seen that many pictures from the weekend or from the, from the special day, but you can tell that it didn't matter that it wasn't, you know, what had been originally planned or presumably with the original guest list or that it was all very different. You know, it was her and it was him and 
getting married, making their promises, and and that was what meant the world. And they'd got they had got the people that really mattered to them. Yeah, I think so. I think you know when when these sort of things happen in life, and whether it's a you know, big cancellation of your wedding or your big birthday party, or you know when life just doesn't go how you thought it would do, and sometimes you have to adapt your plans. You and I suppose that's about the coronavirus crisis, isn't it? We've all sort of adapted to a new way of living and maybe thought about what is important. And at the end of the day, they both looked overjoyed in those photographs and the pictures that were released on Edo's personal Instagram posts that were um, hastily taken down, but then they released a couple <laughs> of them. I mean, it's a bit of scandal. He's, he's not... He's he, not, he uh... scooped the Queen, clearly. He beat the Queen to it, didn't he? Yeah, that's not your good job for your first day in the royal family. I is it, know. He's not, the Queen on his photos. He's not altogether on it with the processes of the palaces. <laughs> However, I think we're, uh, he's probably absolutely giddy with excitement, so we'll let him off because it was his wedding day after all. However, I think... You know, with this wedding, the Yorks have had a pretty tough time of it. I mean, that's putting it mildly, isn't it? But they've had uh, an an awfully bad time in terms of press. And then you've got all the pressure with Beatrice's wedding, whether Andrew was going to walk her down the aisle, whether he would be seen in the photo. And this was all all before um, the wedding had even been announced. And so I felt, you know, very, very sorry for Beatrice because it's, it's probably a lot stressful. Well, I mean of experience it's it's um it's stressful planning a wedding anyway and then you've got all this extra attention on on the day and who will be there and then obviously there was going to be a big um reception at buckingham palace and it went really really back to basics and i think that that was a testament to their relationship and also the very fact that she just wanted probably just wanted the queen there because of her relationship with the queen and she got her wish and that's why she looked so happy on the big day Zoe, what what did you kind of spot or what what struck you from their day? Yeah, I think it's really lovely as well. I I don't know about you guys, but I've got lots of friends who have found themselves in the same position where they've had to cancel weddings um, to do this. And I just think there's something really lovely about the fact of obviously couples having to make that decision of do we cancel it completely and do it in like a year, two years time where we can have what we want or whenever you know whenever we can do it to have the huge wedding or should we just do it? And I think there's something really quite romantic about just saying, you know, obviously saying, you know what we just want to be married now even if we can't have what we wanted we just want to be together and we'll do that in a small thing I think it's really lovely actually and I thought it was all absolutely beautiful like you said down to the photos which I thought were gorgeous and I think yeah as Russell mentioned the fact that they managed to put it all together in two weeks was just was just fantastic and that photo of the pair of them with the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh really is kind of a photo of of our time, but it was also a kind of a photo of any time as well, like that kind of grandparents looking at their grandchild getting married. It's one of those really strange ones, isn't it? These are going to be the photos I think we look back on in kind of 15 years and we're just going to go, God, how weird was it that time when we weren't allowed to stand next to people in weddings, at weddings or, you know, at any occasions. I've got so many like socially distanced pictures with family and, you know, at the moment. Um, But yeah, it just looks so strange. But as you said, it just still looked like such a sweet, lovely, you know lovely moments so yeah it was really nice and the queen and philip both looked so happy as well i thought and really kind of well and like a lovely philip day looks, philip looks great i mean we've seen him today um at windsor castle in this uh, right handing over the the the, the colonel in chief of the rifle ceremony and he looks absolutely fantastic because i think that you know no, making no bones about it people were worried about his health 
uh, back in December uh, when he was in hospital. Um, and certainly when he left hospital, he, he, he wasn't looking too well. But he, he looks remarkable. I mean, he's just turned 99 recently and he, he looks um, he looks several decades younger, I thought. Absolutely. It is, you know, he did look sort of, he's so upright still. And um, it was, it was <laughs> Ramrod great. straight. I mean, I, he's got better posture than me. I've just caught myself. I'm bent up like a prince. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably not just spent the last two weeks hunched over a laptop trying to work from <laughs> home. Um, we're going to talk about, or I'm going to talk about the dress very shortly with um, Sarah Bradbury, our new, new podcast friend who's back again. Um, but Zoe, like the tiara that had some very special um you know like the, the dress it was a big surprise i think that it was a a refashioned dress that belonged to the queen but probably less surprising that she borrowed a tiara from the queen but a very special one at that yeah so beatrice has definitely kind of won the game of something borrowed hasn't she for her <laughs> for her wedding like not only having the tiara which obviously all the royals do and um, have one kind of lent from the queen and um, that the dress as well um but the tiara was lovely actually um i thought it was really it's probably my favorite of all the kind of tiaras we've seen actually um so we know it was the one that um the queen wore on her wedding day uh, back in 1947 when she was obviously princess elizabeth um and what was quite nice as well it was her something borrowed from her mum at the time obviously the queen mother so it was really nice to kind of see that tradition then passed on to uh to her granddaughter Beatrice and lots of uh, kind of experts have been making the comparisons and saying it just shows how close um, the Queen is to Beatrice that she you know let her use her own you know the tiara from her special day a Princess Anne wore it but no other royals worn it for a wedding since so it's really lovely um, but there's actually a interesting story about the day when the Queen heard it the Queen wore it on her wedding day actually um, I'm not sure if you've mentioned it but it wasn't quite so straightforward on the queen's wedding day i hope it was better on beatrice's um but the queen so when the queen was getting ready for her you know obviously getting her hair and makeup done and everything like that which is stressful enough for any bride isn't it let alone if you're doing it knowing that it's a royal wedding but the tiara actually broke it completely snapped in half um and which was gosh i'm glad i wasn't panic. in that dressing room is it, yeah panic, that is this, been... was this was this for the queen's wedding day Yes. This, this, yes. Yeah. I confused yes. myself when I first read it. I thought it was for Beatrice's, and I thought, oh, fair enough. But the, but the fact that it was the Queen's, I mean, that's yeah. Pretty, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. So, it was the Queen's, and it was one. only like a couple of hours before or something, wasn't it? It was. It had yeah, to be hastily so, mended. Yeah. So luckily, they had, um, as you know, as you would if you were a princess, and um, they had the kind of the you know the royal family's official jeweler on standby just a flunky a flunky yeah. was sent out to fix the jewels and don't come yeah, back well, until they're fixed well it was sent it was sent back to their workshop with a police escort so you can imagine being the person that was carrying that in the back of the thing like you it's know lost. definitely don't break yeah. it anymore and they had yeah within two hours they managed to kind of get it all back together and send it back to her so i'm assuming that person was very very popular um, on Super the day, dude. but like yeah. Blue Peter. <laughs> yeah, but and the Queen. So apparently, obviously, um, the Queen was really upset, and the Queen Mother just said to her, "We've still got two hours, and there are other tiaras." So that, that was <laughs> kind of good, calming voice. That I, I guess mean, you want at that point, don't yeah, you? They're, they're just like us, the royals. Hand me down. Yeah, exactly. Tiara is knocking yeah. about worth of, worth about ten well, million quid. We'll have to we go and get another one from the vault. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It's> exactly. <laughs> nice tough story. Being, tough being a royal bride. Yeah. 
And lots of people say you can actually see in the Queen's wedding photos that it is a bit, you know, you can see that it's a bit wonky, but I, I couldn't see it at all. I still think it looks lovely and, you know, still a tiara, isn't it? Wonky or not. <laughs> I, I would take it, let's face it. Um, and the, yeah. Beatrice went for a different choice as well for her wedding ring. They tend to be gold that the royals go for, but it was platinum this time around. Yeah, so it's traditional that all the kind of royal brides wear have a wedding ring made from the Welsh gold. So uh, the, the Kate, Meghan, they've all got the kind of these rings made from the same. Um, but it looks like Beatrice got um, had a platinum one as well, um, made by the same, made by Sean Lane, who was the same person that did her engagement ring. So she'll have like a nice matching set. Right. Well, before we start talking about the party that happened afterwards, I think we should uh, adjourn to my conversation with Sarah, where we can talk a little bit more about the dress and the fashion, as we love to do when it is a little bit of a royal wedding special podcast. So, Sarah Bradbury, back again, two weeks running. Lovely to chat again. And so exciting. Wedding. I know. What a surprise. Did anyone know it was happening? Well, I didn't. So, you know. I don't think any did. No. Top, top secret and the dress. So when we first had the announcement, it was said, you know, she wore her original dress that she was planning to wear in May. And Mm. well, what a corker. I know. I know. It was such such a lovely, like, dress, such a lovely tribute to the Queen. So obviously it was a vintage Norman Hart's Nail gown previously worn by the Queen in the 1960s, in fact, 1962, uh, when she went to the premiere of Lawrence of Arabia. So it's been in the closet for a while, and then she's brought it back out for Bee's wedding, which I think is such a lovely thing. And also sustainable. Um, so the dress is made from taffeta, and it had shades of like ivory, and it was like trimmed ivory satin, duchess satin, um, with organza sleeves, and it was encrusted so beautifully with like a diamante um, and geometric kind of checkered bodice, which is just absolutely stunning. Um, and royal dressmaker Angela Kelly and designer Stuart Parvin uh, were the ones that kind of made the tweaks for Beatrice's shape and body, because obviously the queen and her in all those years it's obviously changed quite a bit so but it still fitted like a glove and she's looked absolutely beautiful um so it was not only just sustainable but it was sentimental which i absolutely love um and a lot of people are asking was it her something borrowed borrowed or something old well i think the tiara was probably the something borrowed because does the queen really need that dress back i think she gave it as a gift surely you know there's a lot of chat about that about what the actual kind of terms have been and one of our listeners pointed out that Beatrice is quite a lot taller than the queen Mm. so having to make the kind of adjustments around around the hemline if you like was a would have been a particular area that they would have had to look but it looks sort of really dainty and elegant and you couldn't tell I don't think that it was an adjusted dress but maybe that is you know really good dressmakers can work absolute wonders and do incredible things yeah and then looking at the dress there's almost like a panel of very similar but maybe slightly different fabrics so what they might have done is added a few inches that way and kind of sewn on a new panel which is like it's great because it's she's added like adapting the dress that the queen wore but it's still very much the queen's dress which is like so so lovely and also it's very similar to the one that her mum wore for her wedding day yes i thought that was interesting as well but a lot less 80s and i think this dress has probably passed the test of time a little bit better than fergie's wedding dress which was quite large Mm. in the shoulders very 80s very 80s um and i just thought beatrice's whole 
look was just so um I don't know is boho is not quite the right word for it but it was it didn't it was, didn't feel too done as far as you can feel not done while wearing a tiara and a dress that the queen used to wear which was worn several times on various occasions yeah it was it was really lovely that she yeah that she wore the, the queen's tiara that she wore on her wedding day which was like also you know a really lovely touch um but you know that she added the veil and the sleeve it, it was very classic like 60s but then brought the new era she kind of added like her own stamp to it which i absolutely adored um but yeah it wasn't like compared to other wedding dresses that we've seen from the royals it was very different because it's a lot more embellishment there's a lot more going on whereas like Catherine's was very simple very lace very traditional um megan's was very different bit um Usually, his dress was very backless, so they all have their own like mark and their own statements, and not one of the dresses has ever been the same. And it's always difficult because I think the most recent one is always my favourite. Mm. But which one is your favourite? <gasps> oh, do you know what I love, Eugenie's? Yeah, it was pretty epic. I just, I, I just love the like. She has the scar from is it scoliosis, mm-hmm. and she was like, you know, people shouldn't be embarrassed by their scars. And I think she really made like a statement for like girls on wedding days. You know, I think a lot of people go through like the wedding diet and how to look like this and look like that. And she was like, sod it, I'm going to look how I want. I'm going to have my scar out on show. And I think her doctor was there, and I think it was just a really loving tribute just to women all over the world being like, it doesn't matter what you look like or if you have scars, you're embarrassed about, get them out, show them off. It's a wedding day after all. It's part of you and, and yeah. your identity and things yeah. as well. Um, and just, I think part of it as well, it looked a bit more like a dress that you could spend the day and the night dancing in than mm. probably the previous ones, which had like epic trains and uh, usually it looked like it was quite sort of heavy, whereas I could imagine having a right old party on in, in Beatrice's look. But I do think all of that embellishment might be quite weighty. That's true. And hot, it looked like a very beautiful day. So, and it's very tight fitting. So maybe she, I don't know. I would love to ask her that. I'll be able to fly on the wall at the wedding, but it might, you know, they, they might've made adjustments. So it wasn't so weighed down, but I mean, she just looks effortless. What do you think of kind of the hair, the makeup, the, that sort of the face area of her look? Very her, not overdone, no like OTT smoky eyes, no bold lips, no nothing. It was just very much her her very loose beautiful red hair slightly tapered around the neck and sort of like a i don't know how we describe that sort of like a not a low clip clip back anyway it just looked stunning but also like you said it's a look that can take you from day to night so you don't have to do like all those changes i think megan had like multiple changes on her wedding day and i just think that she just looked fantastic throughout the whole thing. And I just absolutely am obsessed with the pictures of her and the Queen and Prince Philip. I just think it's such a beautiful day. And I love that when you're the Queen, you basically get dressed for a wedding every day or every day when you go to work. And her, her, her outfit took her from, uh, from the wedding to knighting Captain Tom. So it's... I know. Um, couldn't have asked for a better thing. But also I love the picture where it's so socially distanced and it's like we're making a point that we're here. And they're just both looking at her with like absolute love and like adore her. And I just think it's so sweet. So you this this wedding dress look is a is a winner for you? Oh, 100%. Not one I would personally wear, but I, I like the fact there's a sleeve element so you can kind of cover your arms if that's not your best part. But 
they're not like really long and like weighty and they're gonna get really hot they're just a really cute little puff sleeve and i just yeah big hit for me oh and the shoes you were talking to me about shoes yesterday we mustn't forget those <laughs> so the shoes she wore are actually a recycled pair of valentino heels that she has already worn on to prince william and prince uh, a duchess of bridges kate's wedding um, and she also and that was in 2011 and she also wore them to prince Amadeo's royal wedding in 2014 so could have been her something gold so so many so many something old and also it's that sorry it's reminded me that um it was at kate and william's wedding where she wore the pretzel on her head like she and eugenie kind of made a bit of a splash with their fashion mm-hmm. not necessarily for the right reasons that are catching hat looks but they've certainly talked about and uh, the shoes have probably traveled traveled and fed in the test of time slightly better than the hats have done so it's um I'm, but here I am on my wedding day looking utterly fabulous. But I think one thing that brides panic about is when you buy the new shoes and you're like, I'm going to wear these on my wedding day and they kill your feet. Whereas at least B already knows I've worn these twice before. These are a solid pair of shoes. I'm going to go from, you know, dance floor to the AM all night long. She knows she can wear them, which is great. Yeah. Got to, got to pick a good pair of shoes that will see you through the day. Exactly. Um, and sad, so pretty much done for royal weddings now for a while. We're going to have to look like to the wider world. I mean, I don't, you know, Lady Louise is she's got a while to go yet before she's going to be um, be looking at marriage. I would imagine she's she's not out of her teens. So, you know, we will. It's it, they have been they have been good, haven't they? They have treated us very well. These weddings that we've had. Yeah, we have been very lucky. I will be excited for the day when it finally comes for George, Charlotte and Louis' wedding, don't get me wrong, but yeah, I just think it was just a really wonderful sort of like burst of joy that I think the the whole world needed, especially the UK, obviously Corona and everything that's happening, is to have a royal wedding and a bit of like, oh yeah, that was nice. And also the fact that they didn't feel like they had to fully postpone it, they could do it in secret and kind of carry on with where they wanted and do everything they wanted, you know. And also, best part about having getting married in Corona is you don't have to invite everyone you don't want to invite 30 people so kicked everyone off the list they didn't need or want see them on skype thanks for coming to my wedding or not and then there we are the cost is down (laughs) as somebody once said cheapest cheapest royal wedding ever this one with the kind of recreation um obviously in the mirror today inevitably there was the feature of i got married in my grand's dress which i have shared on our instagram today and there are various people who have who have done that and that is a lovely thing how difficult is it if there are people listening to kind of convert a dress for you know for your own big day are there are there things that are worth being aware of that some things would be easier than others or can anything be done if you find a good seamstress yeah i think it would be a lot would be within the research of finding a very good and highly recommended seamstress i think what i was always told by my mum buy cheap buy twice so if you go to somewhere that's not recommended or is a cheap tailor, they're not going to do a great job. And if you think about fabrics in the 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s, especially silks and satins, they're going to be so delicate. And depending on how they've been looked after, very fragile. So you need someone that's going to have a very good trained eye that's going to know what they're doing. And also how much work it's going to need and if it's really worth doing or whether you could take part of the dress and add it to a new dress instead 
might be um, an avenue like going down but I actually asked my mum if she still had her wedding dress and she does in the loft um, so I can't wait to try that on one day and see how probably horrendous sorry mum that it looks on me but she looked incredible on her wedding day Excellent. Oh, well, that would be a very fun rummage in the loft one day on your next visit once once lockdown and all of that stuff is is passed and by the by and, you know, send us a little picture if you like one day just to see. Um, Sarah, lovely to see you. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll look forward to the next time. Can't wait. Bring it on. So we've had our say on the dress. What was your what was your verdict, Zoe? Thumbs up for that? Would oh, you? absolutely loved it. It went straight to the top of my favourite royal wedding dresses ever. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was cool. I thought even the dress itself. I love that kind of vintagey style. And um, kind of personally, that's that's just my taste. And um, so I really liked it anyway. Even if it had been a brand new de- dress, I think I would have loved it. But the fact that it had that story to it as well, I yeah thought it was absolutely perfect. And I couldn't stop looking at the pictures to be honest over the weekend <laughs> yeah they were they were very, was a bit very fascinated beautiful. by it very beautiful pictures very beautiful pictures Russell how did you think it compared royal look wise you know we like your fashion verdict oh of course um I actually quite liked it I thought she looked fantastic I liked the because the the addition of the sleeves I'm giving you all my knowledge now yeah. so the addition <laughs> of the sleeves on the dress made it look a bit softer because uh, God, I'm really going for it. The, uh, the the pictures that I saw of the Queen at the Laurence Olivier premiere, and that was like at 62, wasn't it? I thought, um, I thought, it, yeah, it probably wouldn't have necessarily worked that well. And then um, I saw I saw her pictures, and I really liked it. <laughs> I thought she, I thought that she looked great, and and they looked really really happy. And I I thought that well, you know what. We're all going back to basics a little bit with coronavirus, with the crisis, and I'm really pleased that they did it. And all the furore over whether Andrew was in the pictures or not, and obviously that was going to be covered widely, it is, of course, a big point, and everybody, I suppose, was rightly asking it, because it is a bit weird not to have your mum and dad or the groom's parents in the pictures, but then you just look as... Zoe said, you look at the pictures and they are just a tale of our time, aren't they? That the Queen and Duke of Edinburgh stood on one side of the frame, the groom and bride and groom stood on the other. And and it's just, it, it tells the story just of just that one picture outside the church. So he was never going to be in it, let's face it. And that is unfortunate for, um, for Beatrice that the historic official photos that were released... I can see you. She can, she can have the pictures for her mantelpiece. They exactly. Exactly. I saw it's fr- and like, everyone yeah. frantically waving. Yeah. Like, so, oh my God, but yeah, you are right. She can have those for herself. Um, I can't remember whether it was talking to my actual husband or my podcast husband when I was <laughs> when I was um, when I was debating, you know, the difficulties of Beatrice and her wedding with the whole Prince Andrew thing going on and what do you do about the pictures because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't because if you have the picture of him there proud as punch with his daughter on her wedding day I mean any dad is going to look proud as punch or they're going to be in tears like my dad was walking me down the aisle I'm really sorry Anne, I've spoiled <laughs> your wedding photos it's like you haven't dad it's lovely um, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah it was very nice so it is it is a very special moment to be walked down the aisle by your dad and so I'm very glad that she was able to 
to have that. And, you know, if they had released the pictures with him in, they would have got slated for it as it was. They, it was, um, they were kind of slated for, or it was like, where is he instead? And it, it yeah. felt harsh. Yeah, I think a lot of people were, were were going more towards the um, the frugal nature of the wedding. The, the very fact that the Queen and Duke of Edinburgh were able to, to be there was really sweet. The very fact that, you know, it was uh, the, the big hoo-ha had all been abandoned. There was only sort of, um, what do you call the posh tents that they had in the garden? The glamping pods. Glamping pods. <laughs> and then you had, you know, just a little a little reception with, or the wedding only had sort of 15, 20 people. Then you had a reception for 14. But, and that's, you know, and I think everyone really, really respected that. And you know what? If she ends up having a big party, reception at Buckingham Palace, if my granny was the queen and gave me the use of her garden, I'd be having a big party. So oh, yeah. no one can blame her. <laughs> For what she's done and it's just an unfortunate um event of uh you know that uh, that the decision was taken and we're all still talking about it because what we should be talking about of course is the very fact of the of the wedding and um, and how happy she looked oh important question how did you rate edo's outfit well i'm not a fan of morning suits for weddings anyway um but it, i suppose he looked very dapper i mean that what can what more can you say it's a bloke in a suit <laughs> Just normal, you know. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is when we come to talk about what the women are wearing, yeah. rather than about what the men are wearing. Yeah, he looked, he looked great. He looked, you know, his hair looked great. He looked, he looked like he was having a great time. Looked very happy. It was just a man in a waistcoat. Um, so what do we know or think we know about the after party? I mean, it may not be the glamping pods were later. Was it marquees they had up in the garden? Anyway, either way, they had some tents to to hold their celebrations in. There's a bit of a secret garden theme or such like in the in the party. Well, again, just sort of noted for its simplicity, really. This glamping pod, Zoe will probably know a bit, but, you know, a bit more she's delved into it. But um, just, yeah, secret garden theme. The weather was fantastic, which... I'm I'm going camping this weekend and it's not going to be fantastic and it's <laughs> roasting outside now and it's going to be bucketing it down so at least it was nice for her wedding uh, secret garden theme glamping pods people staying over very very nice uh, way to do a wedding um, and then okay so there's lots of details of the wedding to come out or obviously we've, we've spoken about the secret garden theme there was a uh, a blue and white themed open-sided luxury indian tent at royal lodge with bespoke catering and specialty cocktails so to be fair i think we just mentioned this but they've, they've done well to organize this in a couple of weeks but i suppose you can call in a few favors when you're royalty and I expect there's been a few other weddings cancelled, so they were no longer required. So Very true. Available at short notice. Very true. They would have been glad for the business. Uh, there was a bouncy castle for the kids. Um, and the grown-ups, surely. Come and on. the grown-ups. Obviously, people, uh, people after a couple of shandies are all, all over the bouncy, on the bouncy castle. Glamping pods for the guests to stay in the night. And apparently only 14 guests were invited. So, I mean, just this sort of, you know, frugal nature of it, I think, you know, was very... Um, was very very celebrated apparently the wedding breakfast was a canapes to start sit down meal and apparently is uh what i'm reading is cured sea trout with capers dill and lemon chorizo ricotta salad toasted quinoa and fillet steak sounds delicious that's great yeah nice for a sunny day in the garden lovely very good. I know that's not the sort of meal I'm going to be having at my camping ho holiday. I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> some beans. booze, but yeah, yeah no <laughs> champagne, no champagne and wine. I'm sure it was all flowing. So, 
all in all, I think it passed. And the, the way they drip fed out, drip fed out the photos as well, because so the wedding was on Friday in the morning, 11 a.m. Then the Queen had to dash over to the quadrangle at Windsor Castle tonight, Sir Tom. Oh, podcast favourite. Yeah. yeah. So, podcast I mean, so this, this was great because, and then she had a little chat with Sir Tom, um, talking about the wedding and how they'd all been gathered there. And I think this decision from the palace and from the family was actually really sweet. And people were obviously asking where the photos going to be released on the Friday. And the reason they didn't release the photos was because they didn't want to over- overshadow Captain Tom's big day. And of course, it was a big day. It was leading the news agenda at that, uh, at, on that evening. Um, and of course, you know, rightly celebrated, the Queen came out of isolation uh, to do it, had, had actually requested that she, she be the one to, to do it. Um, because I think she knows how much it meant to the nation. I mean, Sir Tom raised over £33 million for NHS charities and he's become sort of the darling of the nation uh, across the crisis. And they're the same generation, you know. She yeah, lived, well, She lived God. through the war. He was such a big part of, like, the VE Day celebrations. He's kind of pulled into everything. And, you know, he's sort of uh, two, two proper old, old-timers comparing notes on life, really. Well, I suppose the Queen doesn't really meet a lot of people who are older than her, especially in that sort of, I mean... You know, he must be one of the oldest, if not the oldest figure to get a knighthood, right? Or a sort of mm-hmm. senior uh, gong like that. And and you could tell that she was speaking with that level of um, respect to, to him. She was saying, you know, 100 is a fine age. And they were sort of speaking about uh, the, the day that, that she'd had with Beatrice's family. And, and, and definitely there was some huge respect there from both of them. Uh- and a sword is quite a handy tool for social distancing, I think. Is that what you've told your husband? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no such thing. No swords here. No swords. <laughs> All uh, only friendlies. But and, they, they might go in quite close for the sort of the the um, medals and things and sort of chat afterwards. I was quite surprised by the. Um, you know, like took the guard down essentially. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think because again that level of respect and. Um, and possibly hard of hearing as well, though you know, <laughs> Sir, 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 Sir Tom is uh, an amount of interview he, he's been doing. He's always, always on fine form, but I just, I just think it was. Yeah, you're right. They both. They, she did let her guard down, and 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 speaking to him, and wanted to be seen to to give that him a really special moment. And I think that any of the footage that you would have seen is oh. is clear to see. And um, my absolute favourite bit of the day, though, is the fact that he politely declined her invitation to stay for tea because he'd already made other plans with his family. Classic. <laughs> absolutely classic. I mean, when are you going to get another invite? I know. Oh, I, just, I just had this image. Yeah, I just had this image of his family being, no, we'd rather do that. Like, don't, <laughs> don't worry about our yeah. plans. Let's go there. Well, yeah, this is really- much better sandwiches and tea with the Queen, aren't you? Then you're probably going to get, you know, somewhere else down the road. This is a good opportunity to plug one of the upcoming episodes, which is uh, finally, finally, our friend from Debrett's answering all of your questions. I don't think any of you asked, how do I politely tell the Queen, no, I don't want to come to tea. <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm sure our friend would have had a an answer for that. It was a tremendous chat. It was a while back now, but we're really excited to share that with you. And 
Also, um, the interview that I did on Monday with Alexander Lahman, the author of The Crown in Crisis, which is all about the abdication. Thank you so much for sending in your brilliant questions. He said that they were really tremendous and answered them all. And we had a right old natter. So look forward to you guys getting to hear that one as well. But back to what's been going on now. So we've talked about Captain Tom. Oh, we should, what else should we talk about with Philip and Camilla? How did the rest of that, um, how did that event go? We've talked about Philip. Is it a big deal? It is a big deal. It, it is a massive deal, right? Because, I mean, it's always a big deal when you see Prince Philip. And I think that he's, he's almost grown in favour and stature since he's retired. And he's sort of become this figure where people are really interested to see him and how he's looking, of course. And I don't think he's looked better over the last probably decade. And he's, uh, he's obviously been sunning himself uh, in isolation at Windsor because, as I said earlier, he he really didn't look too well when he was um, admitted to hospital last December. He just came out on Christmas Eve. Uh, and, and so, you know, he, he, looks, he looks remarkable. Um, I mean, yes, it was a big deal. He's come out of retirement today. And he actually insisted that he wanted to appear in person to meet the soldiers of this, uh, which could be his last ever military engagement. And the reason he was doing it was to hand over his position as Colonel-in-Chief of the Rifles to the Duchess of Cornwall. Now, this is a role he has held for 67 years. And the... um, the top brass at the, at the Rifles actually wanted to to thank him in person, really, and to, to put on record their thanks for everything that he has done for the, the, you know, in that military appointment. And obviously handing it over in a ceremonial way was fairly difficult because of social distancing. Now, what they managed to do was have two ceremonies, one at Windsor Castle, one at Highgrove House, and then sort of the... Um, the virtual passing of the baton, if you will, but it was it was very very nice that the the two ceremonies were sort of in conjunction with each other, and um, the colonel in chief of uh, of the rifles was um, uh, sorry the assistant colonel major general Tom Coppinger Symes actually said some words to him. I mean, it's, it's pretty pretty big mouthful, isn't it? Assistant colonel <laughs> commander major general Tom Coppinger Symes, man alive. Uh, That's the right business card there, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Where he offered the salute and thanked him for his support and service to the rifles. And he was just saying, you know, that he um, he was delighted that Camilla was taking over because he um, he he saw them as sort of cut from the same cloth and that that she would really take it very seriously. Now, the the reason I think that this is quite um, significant is because the last time a big military role like this was passed over to uh, one of the younger generation is, uh, is of course, um, Harry was made Captain General of the Royal Marines in 2017. And then he obviously was made to step down from the role about a year, just over a year later. Now, um, Prince Philip had held that role for 64 years. So Camilla is obviously seen as a very, very safe pair of hands. Um, and she's obviously... She, you know, people I spoke to today were saying, really safe pair of hands, fantastic, hugely popular choice. Um, and there's, um, you know, there, there's obviously a good feeling within the camp that uh, she, she, it's a, it's a good role for her for, to take on. Yeah, because that um, that Prince Philip picture handing over the the role to Prince Harry was kind of one of the famous latter ones of his of his working life, and you know, it's just. Yeah, so good to have a better better one as a last military uh, 
a more lasting one let's say yeah i mean it probably will engagement. yeah i probably will be one of like, you know the last so I mean, bp said today that he there had been several other sort of in-house handovers but i think because he's had this appointment for so long i think you're talking in you know, seven decades that um that they it was more the soldiers wanted to put on record their thanks and um and who doesn't love seeing windsor castle in the resplendent sunshine it was absolutely glorious today very very nice and a very very nice for a little seven-year-old prince very nice day for him to be celebrating his birthday happy Gappy birthday, birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, Prince George. <laughs> I mean, I won't claim it. It was the headline of the sun today, but I thought it was great. And, we, you know, it was very, very clever. Um, yeah, I mean, he was he's growing up quickly. I always, you know, how big should a seven-year-old child look? But I couldn't get over how big Louis was when I saw him, when he was doing the clap for carers. He's, you know, you forget how rapidly these kids are growing up. And... Um, Someone put the on Twitter put the seven photos. Actually, we did it on our Daily Mirror Instagram as well. We put seven photos mm. all next to each other, and obviously you can see time flies. And uh, obviously they're still in Sandringham or uh, Norfolk and Mahal. Kate took the pictures. Our good friend Ian Vogler cast his expert eye over them. He said uh, Kate has got uh, obviously a very natural knack for the uh, for a good image which is often the hardest thing to master he said so um i like seeing these these photos i mean obviously uh you know zoe's probably been pouring over them all day and gushing what over did you them. Make of them zoe <laughs> <laughs> yeah no they were really lovely like i said um they're the kind of the we've got the full set of lockdown royal cambridge kid birthdays now haven't we um they've all done like a bit of a lockdown picture but no they were really nice yeah, really yeah. lovely i like the fact that we had a um there was kind of a more formal photo where you had had his, you know, his hair was all done neatly and he was kind of standing still. And then you had the the other one, um, which was the one where he was wearing the kind of um, army print t-shirt where he looked like he was just in the middle of playing and Kate had kind of grabbed the picture. So I think as she started to do quite a lot now, there's the more official, more traditional portrait of, you know, him kind of looking at the camera and smiling and then a more probably more modern one of kind of you know just more general normal life which i think is really lovely but no they were very sweet really nice and a lovely it is a lovely little grid in that military in you know his camouflage print um photo and looking at that t-shirt i think that has got to be either a hand-me-down or one that he absolutely loves because you can tell it has been through the wash a lot of time you can just see on the material that it is definitely a favorite it's like no mum i'm wearing it again yes i'm running around outside rolling about in the mud no it can't go in the wash okay i'll let it go in the wash but i'm wearing it as soon as it comes out again type thing yeah Um, but it was very and lots of people yeah lots of people saying it's kind of like a you know a nod to the royals um obviously connections to, to the military as well um with obviously you know his dad William and Prince Harry all kind of have you know taken roles at some point with you know within different parts of it yeah I thought that was interesting as well because it sort of points to George's future and they're potentially you know they have put that out there essentially in some way that he may also go into the forces and that is you know his, it is his destiny to be king in the normal run of things but perhaps it is also mm. his destiny to end up going into the military so well we shall enjoy him running around uh as a as a small child for a while can you remember your seventh birthday 
like it's one of the weird ones that I remember. Really I can't clearly. remember what I did seven days. No, ago, let alone, <laughs> to be yeah. fair, I just struggle with that. But no, I remember my seventh birthday because it was the first time I had a birthday treat rather than a birthday party. So it's like a smaller number of friends, but we all went to the cinema and we went to see the Aristocats, and oh. I was given a camera as one of my birthday presents. I think also a rucksack and a book of questions and answers, which I definitely still have. When the camera, obviously it's an old yeah. film camera. Your memory's a lot better than mine. <laughs> well, it was clearly like a totemic moment in my life, but I've got all of these terrible <laughs> old photos because it's obviously on films. My poor parents had to pay money to print these photos <laughs> I've been taking, of all of my Sylvanian family, little toys, like woodland toys lined up in their, in their groups or my friends who come <laughs> over for my birthday party, like li- lying in a, in a star shape, like all their heads in the middle of the floor in a fanning Aww. out. So, yeah, that's, I think that's probably my first birthday that I can remember. But anyway, there we go. Yep. That's a little, no a little sort of aside into my life. Um, <laughs> Prince William, Russell. Yeah. He, he's not all about the jelly and ice cream, is he? He's not even a royal. He's not uh, he's a big <laughs> exclusive. He's actually a cockney from the East End of London. <laughs> So him and Danny he, Dyer. Exactly. <laughs> Prince William has confessed to eating the Cockney favourite jellied eels on a hangover. I mean, there's a lot of debate whether, you know, William means these things or he's just absolutely having a laugh <laughs> with, the, with the reporter standing there because he knows we're, you know, feverishly writing down everything he says. However, he was at a very important um, engagement last week and he was in Peterborough visiting a homeless centre and... You know, he's obviously very passionate about this um, this field and certainly has been even more interested in it after the coronavirus crisis, trying to get homeless people off the streets. It's been a big movement in the UK to, you know, no one left, was it or everyone left inside? That was a part of the lockdown um, programme that was going on and really helping homeless people to get off the seats, however, uh, streets rather. However, he was being teased because uh, by one of the, the the chaps who was there, a guy called Gary Griffiths, who was uh, teasing him, saying he'd lost weight. And he's saying, well, maybe I have sort of around the jowls. And then bizarrely, he came out with this <laughs> crazy statement that he said uh, he, he'd, he'd had... Um, He'd had jellied eels on a hangover. Now, for those of you who do not know what jellied eels are, my, uh, my half my family hail from the East End, and I have been forced to eat these on occasion. And they are <laughs> eels, actual eels, boiled in a stock. I mean, Wikipedia said the spice stock. I don't think I've ever had anything so uh, adventurous. And always so boshed, boiled in this stock that is allowed to then cool in the fridge, and it forms its own jelly. And you basically take half a bit of the eel, a bit of jelly, wharf it down and I certainly wouldn't wouldn't want to be having it on a hangover because they are pretty salty uh give me a bit of pie and mash any day so yeah, I mean well, there's no they, there's they no... look just as bad as they sound yeah. to anyone yeah. that you know isn't googling a picture of them they're not yeah have a google have a <laughs> go. although my, my dad loves my dad loves loved them so you know it's uh it's an acquired taste maybe, maybe like an olive like an olive. Well, you have to sort of coax yourself <laughs> to eat olives when you're young, don't you? Because you, you know, you oh, nobody likes olives. Jelly deals. Yeah. Just the thought of it is not not appealing. So anyway, yeah, we hope, I hope we've off. not put anybody off for their dinner. Treat yourself to a t- cup of tea and a biscuit right now to to recover. Yeah. Um, finally, I think for this week, unless I've unless I've forgotten anything, which I'm sure you'll set me right on. Um, Prince Harry and the charity and the row and it's all a bit peculiar and um, Republic have got involved who are the ones who obviously want to kind of 
get rid of the monarchy and think that we should be a republic. Yeah. Reported them to the, the charity commission and all okay, well, going on. I'll give you the, the lowdown on this because it's the, the, the issue here is, and I know sometimes people some sometimes label at me that I'm, you know, giving Harry a hard time here. However, we, I'm sort of can, can see this uh, from both sides and I really, really don't think this, uh, this statement um, that they put out, rather aggressive statement by the Sussex's lawyers, is doing them any favours. So let me just take you back. Republic are obviously an anti-monarchy group. That's what they stand for. They are there to ask questions. They're there to do potential investigations when they want, uh, raise uh, issues about public finances spent on the rolls, yada, yada, yada. So they wrote a letter, the CEO wrote a letter this week to the charity commission saying that they didn't they 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 want they didn't believe that it was all above board or certainly something should be looked into to do with the way that money was um passed over from the royal foundation to sussex royal which then ended up distributed to uh travelist which is a public limited company now the issue is that the passing of funds from the Royal Foundation in order to set up Sussex Royal, there's no problem in that. On you know, on the basis of it's one non-profit to another non-profit, tiny bit of background, Sussex Royal, when it was setting up Harry and Meghan's uh, charity vehicle, Royal Foundation, which Harry had obviously spit over to set his new one up with Meghan, gave them £145,000 to set that up. Then another cheque was signed later last year for another around about £145,000. So we're talking near on, you know, £300,000 was signed to set Travelist up. Now, Travelist was under the banner. This is his sustainable travel programme that we, he's, you know, he's been trumpeting over the last few months. This is a, um, it was under the banner of Sussex Royal and therefore was a non-profit. However, with the winding up of Sussex Royal, He's distributed the uh, the money, some of the money of coming from the Diana Fund, which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, is going towards Centre Barley, but he's been writing cheques to go to Travelist. Now, the issue is um, that Travelist is a limited company. Now, it may be for the Charity Commission to look over this. I can't see how they would have made such a catastrophic mistake like that, because obviously that would have been picked up. However... The royals have got recent form for this because Prince Andrew's Duke of York charity had to pay back in excess of three hundred and fifty thousand, about three hundred seventy thousand pounds recently because they had been paying his chief of staff Amanda Thurst from the Duke of York's charity coffers, and he shouldn't have been doing that. It was private money because she was working on different projects for him, so her wages for the last five years had to be paid back. So the issue is that the Charity Commission was just looked, was said that they would look at the complaint, not look at the actual, um, whether there were any irregularities in the payments. Royal Foundation said, absolutely no problem. We've got no, nothing to hide. It was all above board. Then Harry launches into this absolutely, uh, well, catastrophic, anyone would think it was like a catastrophic, situation had occurred and he launches this tirade of uh you know sort of 12 15 paragraphs from the lawyers saying that there is a vendetta about them that there's going to be um you know that they're they're being attacked from all sides and i think it's just an absolute sledgehammer to crack a nut and the issue is 
very, very um, good commentary piece written by a colleague of mine, Hannah Furness, in The Telegraph. And if you haven't seen it, you must read it because when The Telegraph are, you know, essentially one of the friendly, one of the members of the press that the Sussexes deal with, when they are calling into question your judgment call on this, I think... Harry has got something to worry about. I mean, under the um, under the headline, two royal households with a very different approach to public scrutiny, she just lays out the two approaches. Royal Foundation thought it was just, you know, an issue which was a one-day issue, whereas Harry launching into this tirade is not going to do him any uh, favours whatsoever. Yes, it, it, it seems to be a bit of a recurring theme. And it's, I think he has, there was a, a poll recently, I think he'd slipped down the popularity ratings. And in fact, we've got a new poll result as well. Um, so our, we've been doing our most popular royal. We did, we did one, oh no, in fact, we, that was before, we did the most popular royal when Russell got all in a pickle with his numbers. I did, I couldn't count. It was all no, going on. Ridiculous. <laughs> Can't do fashion. Can't count. I can't do fashion. I've given you an appraisal of a man's suit. As tremendous it was. Also, actually, I must just say to you, have you been watching Mrs. America? Because it has got a tremendous line in pussy bows. Oh, my word. Is this on uh, Amazon? No, it's on the BBC. Oh, well, okay. I'll on the iPlayer. Old-fashioned. Old okay. Old school. Old school. Yeah. But, but after doing a Who's Your Favourite Royal, we thought we'd do a... Um, which royal would you most like to meet and see if it was a different answer? We had about 6,000 people replied. Have you got the scores on the doors there, Zoe, at all? Yeah. So, in a Pod Save the Queen exclusive reveal, first place to hear them. <laughs> so, it's two in a row for, um, for Kate. She's won this one as well, 30% of the vote. Um, she won the first one too. Uh, then the Queen, second at 21%. Um, then Prince William at 8%. And Prince Harry at 7 and Megan at six percent. So Megan and then the rest of the other ones are kind of made up by you know kind of some of the you know other people, other suggestions people had. There's some uh, Zara Tindall in there, some Princess Anne, uh, Prince Philip, and but they were the main ones. Yeah. So Megan, Megan went up one space in this. She overtook Princess Anne in terms of the popularity stakes. But anyway, Kate is very much a firm favourite, clearly, or at least with the people who are voting in our poll. So if you voted, thank you very much. Um, we do have a new poll running, actually, which I'll let you know about, which is which is your favourite of the four recent royal wedding dresses. So have your say on that one if you go visit the Mirror website. Um, anything that we know about coming up, Russell? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I don't actually care because I'm not well, going to be here. You, you, you don't care. <laughs> We're not going to well, be talking about it. I'm taking two weeks off. Have fun. Well, we, <laughs> Zoe and I will be back if there's big breaking news, but I'm looking forward to hearing your two uh, record, earlier recordings that you've made. Um, no, I can't tell you about anything, I'm afraid. All hush, hush. Oh, the, the Queen, I can um, confirm that the Queen is moving to Balmoral with oh, yeah. the Duke of Edinburgh. They're gonna get, and they're going to be there all throughout the whole of August uh, into September. Uh, very much a keen eye on what's going on with this uh, coronavirus crisis, and uh, and and that's about it. And so, okay. some of the members of the family will be visiting in a socially distanced manner, which is how we finish all conversations when we're yes. talking about <laughs> seeing people. So. Yes, in their Balmoral bubble. So lovely. And they, it means that people can go visit Windsor Castle if they want to during the summer. Anyway, right, well, it's been a great pleasure spending time with you all. 
um, lovely listeners and lovely podcast colleagues. But I am going to, I will obviously miss you dearly in my two week break, but I shall look forward very much to catching up on everything when we're back in a couple of weeks time. Um, until then, please subscribe to make sure you get the next episodes. Um, leave us a review and a rating if you get a chance. And thank you for joining us. Stay safe and well. And until next time. Pod save the queen!